And welcome back to the Book and Life podcast. Today we've got an exceptional woman who is going to be joining us today, and her wealth of knowledge is such. Oh, people, you will die to know this woman better. She has got infinite amount of knowledge, and if I could steal it all, I would. So I can't wait just to sort of introduce you to her. And uh, but you know the routine, guys. We gotta have an advert or two before we get started. So this, as you know, is the blurb for book four's Time Guardian by Marianne Curley, and the book's called The Shadow. The battle is over, the war is won, the prophecy complete, but life can't just pick up where it left off for Ethan. Struggling to cope with tragic loss, at odds with friends in the guard, he finds himself adrift, jumping at shadows and sensing someone who can't possibly be there. Blaming herself for the goddess Latina's death, herself swears revenge and solidify the immortal's plan for world domination. But Giselle, ha- Giselle hadn't planned on love, and that leaves her with an unbearable choice. Should she follow her heart, or the strings of the goddess short on faith, but high on expectation, who continues to pull her from the grave? As the guard and the order battle through the past and into an impossible future, darkness lurks around every corner. The fight for the world's survival rests with just one. Is it friend or foe who stands in the shadow? The Price of Freedom uh, by Rosemary Rao from her Roman British crime series, People, is actually, get the half of it is being donated to the Ukraine refugee crisis. So that's The Price of Freedom by Rosemary Rowan, and also her agent has donated her entire commission to the refugee crisis. Now, let's get on this amazing woman who I have been seriously skilled in how on earth am I going to make my website look as good as hers, and also for just the amount of knowledge that she has and what she's been able to produce and put out over the last uh, few years has been truly amazing. So, and also on top of all this, she has a podcast. So what better? Podcaster to podcaster. You know, we've already had a little uh, old chinwag about it. So uh, we're going to jump more into it now. Please welcome everyone, Amy Shannon. Now, I did get that right. Okay. Yes. Yes. Sometimes I get it completely utterly wrong, like completely wrong. <laughs> no, it's fine. A lot of people call me Shannon, and I'm like, no, that's not yeah. my first oh, name. I know. I know. <laughs> you should hear some of the, the pronunciations that I've had over the years for Chris. Oh, I know. I've had everything from Christine to Christella to <laughs> I think I actually had just out at one point, and I was like, really? Where the hell did you get that from? That's why I ask people now, like, once I've done it, I'm always like, I did get that right, right? For some Americans, like, you you have, like, the English spelling of your names, but it's not pronounced the English way. Right. So I get caught out with those ones. I really should check before I go on. But, sorry, sorry. Tell us about your, your upcoming book and, uh, you know, what, 
everyone at home, like, what made you want to write it? What made you excited about writing it? Um, and then sort of dive into that. Okay. Well, um, I want to start with first saying that I had my last full-length book published, my final one, um, and it's called uh, My Final Chapter, A Legacy of Words. It's the last book that I've had published, and it contains um, stories and poems and essays um, from like the last few years that I've written but also from when I was a teenager and I added that. So it's kind of like my legacy. I um, have been recently disabled and my hands, um, they're like my lifeline to writing and it's been very difficult. So I have been writing short stories as as I uh, go along and um, going back and kind of looking at everything that I've published in the past and kind of revamping yeah. them, you know, updating the covers, um, you know, updating some of the storylines. Um, so I've been kind of working on that um, as personal pro- projects and s- things like that. And I do have a lot on my plate, but um, being that I'm almost homebound now, I I like to keep busy. I want to keep my mind active. So um I just recently republished my book, Shattered Pages, and um, it's actually, uh, I updated the cover, I went through the storyline and maybe added a few things here and there that I thought of, and um, it's basically about a writer who's, uh, he's very eccentric, and um, I like writing about writers, and he's uh, very eccentric. And he's a best-selling murder mystery uh, author. And then bodies start dropping around his town. And they Mm -hmm. um, are like the crimes that he's written about. But then they start becoming about the crimes that he's in the process of writing. So they're trying to figure out Mm -hmm. how this killer, or maybe he's the killer, um, knows what hasn't even been published yet and is using those I kind of as a murder that. map, I, I call I, it. So. I've seen some similar ideas that I've done before, and there's a vast span of what you can do with that, and I think it's pretty amazing. So what got you into writing crime and murder? Yeah. I don't... Well, I've... Um, I've always been interested, and I know it's kind of strange, but like into uh, true crime um, and also, uh, you know, law enforcement and the processes that they go through. I mean, I like watching like old police procedurals. And what I like is not necessarily, you know, the process they go through. I mean, I do like it, how they go through determining who the killer is. And usually if I watch a show, I kind of know right off the bat who the killer is and which makes everybody around me annoyed because I say, Oh, that person did it. (laughs) And, um, but (laughs) I like that aha moment. You know, it's that moment where 
they that one little clue makes them realize maybe who the killer is, you know, and can get them to that point. I really like that moment. And I try to put it in there because even with my stories, um, and I've, I have several stories written about uh, private investigators. Some of them are uh, ex-police officers, ex-law enforcement. Um, I have a great respect for the work that they do. And I've done a lot of research. Um, and uh, I really like watching like true crime shows. And I think they're really interesting, not because of the crime itself, but um, what one person can actually do to another. And I, I always, I would, anybody that I was giving advice to about writing, you know, our English teacher in high school would say, you know, just write what you know. Well, I look at it like I write, like I write what I want to know. So that way I could do the research and what I put on paper is information. I mean, if someone read one of my books about being a private investigator, a private investigator could actually read that book and not set and not feel like I didn't do my research, you know, read it and like, Oh yeah, that, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. there's a lot of, you know, you have, uh, when you're a writer, you can make anything happen. Uh, you can bring, I've brought people back from the death. Um, I have a uh, strong, um, characters. I'm very, uh, character driven. And, uh, a lot of it is dialogue driven as well. Um, so you have to make sure that your, your work is, uh, when you, when you're doing it, that is conversational. Um, I always read the dialogue mm -hmm. out loud so I could see if it flows like it would as if you were talking to your friend or whatever. I think that's really important. Um, I have a lot of stories that are still up in here. Um, and when I can, I write down the ideas and sometimes I write down, I create a short story, um, one line at a time. I can write a line or two and then I have to walk away because my hands hurt. Um, but mm -hmm. then I go back and I add to it and I'm really big on writing in notebooks um, so I have like notebooks for everything <laughs> and that's what I do, whether they're ideas or putting them on computer, but no. now I write them in a notebook and then I dictate them to my computer, which is not always easy. Uh, the computer does not, <laughs> if it doesn't hear mm -hmm. what, understand what you're saying and you have to say every single punctuation mark the proper way. It just oh, no, doesn't work. That. So it actually is a lot I'm more editing than if I had just typed it all out. Voice activated software. They gave voice activated software to a Scottish person. Anybody see what might be wrong with that situation? <laughs> yeah. Like Half the words did not come out <laughs> the way I said them. And I... I like oh, it. My brain runs at a sort of at least twenty exactly. pieces ahead of when I am physically writing. So I could never get my head to verbally keep up. 
So I yeah. couldn't com- process yeah. it that way. Um, that and also the fact that I used to get very frustrated at, you know, the, the software yeah. systems yeah. and things like that. Uh, you know, and, and one of my friends said, well, just don't worry about punctuation and stuff. You can go back through, read it back through and yeah. change the, the punctuation. I was like, no way. That would take far too long. I'd have to try and remember where certain started. And I'm, I went around anyway, so my tangents would be longer. Yes. So I was like, I was like, no, they're avoiding this. But, um, yes, it's, it's nice because, yeah, you I know, get it. We, we tried to be an inclusive show. So we've had a lot of people <laughs> on with different disabilities and different things that's happened that maybe caused them to, to struggle with writing. So, if you don't mind, because obviously this is something personal for everybody, but what made you get to the point where your hands are very sore to write with? Oh. Well, um, in 2005, my uh, then-husband tried to kill me. And I had severe, I had severe brain trauma. Uh, that was 16 years ago. Um, over the years, mm-hmm. I've suffered from migraines. I mean, every single day. I haven't had a day without them in the uh, 16 and a half years now. But in the last mm-hmm. few, it's been progressive. And at the time, I didn't know it. But a couple years ago, my hands just started shaking, and then other parts of me started shaking, and. I went through neurologists. I've tried all those medications. And then last year, they, they sent me to a specialist, finally. And he told me that I had what they call a functional right. brain disorder, which basically makes my body do whatever my brain wants it to do, whether it's supposed to do it or not. Mm-hmm. So it hurts my hands. Um, my hands shake and tremble. And I have rheumatoid arthritis in them, which makes it worse. Um, sometimes I fall down. Um, I can't write like I used to. That's why I do it a little bit at a time. But, um, you know, I just keep moving forward. I live one day at a time. That's all I can do. And I do what I, I like. If I can't write, I still write my reviews. Uh, I have my, uh, my website, Amy's Bookshelf Reviews. And, that's been running since 2014. Yeah. And now, I, since I don't do a lot of writing, I actually do a lot more reading. Um, and that's good for the authors. No. And I think it's really important for people to know that if you read a book, you should write a review. Because not everybody does that. Um, so I try to get the word out there with my reviews. And I've made... I've reviewed for over 1,500 authors the last seven years, and I'm still growing and getting more contacts. Um, I've been doing editing services. Sometimes I uh, give advice. I give advice to a lot of authors. Uh, I do book promotions, um, you know, just kind of using social media and blog uh, tours for promoting their work and Yes, I do have a podcast. It's called The After Show with Mackenzie Stewart and Amy Shannon, my business partner, Mackenzie Stewart. She's also an author, and she had a radio show um, a few years ago, and that's actually how we met. 
um, she, her publicist for the um, publisher that he was, she was working, uh, working with called her and told her that she needed to get her book reviewed by me. And then um, I was kind of at a review freeze cause I had, I was trying to catch up and then, then I went back and basically opened it up again and her publicist called her and said, okay, she's available now. So we met that way and uh, we've been friends and business partners and we've never met once in person. (laughs) I'm in upstate New York and she's in North Carolina, but uh, yeah, we, you know, we do zoom calls. We talk on the phone all the time. And sometimes it's just saying, you know, we need to vent or this is what I want to do. How can we do this? And then, you know, she knows she does a lot of stuff that um, that she can do. And there's a lot of stuff that that I do. So we know that things between the two of us, things will get done. So that's what we do. Or the Um, abundance of money to get their books edited or to get their, you know, to do sort of like a promotional tour or things like that. And especially, you know, these new authors coming out are are sort of completely blind to the world. And that's why podcasts like mine and like a few others is so important because we're almost breaking down those walls and saying, hey, there is three layers of publishing. There's two tiers of publishing. But no matter what tier you're in, you have to do your marketing. You have to do that. You have that responsibility to take the phone calls to do the radio shows, to talk to the readers, to engage with the readers, but you still have yeah. deadlines, edit deadlines, copyright yeah. deadlines. You have, you know, to sit and talk about your cover for three hours. You know, these are all parts of it, whether you're indie, self, or traditional. Yep. Um, God, did I wish I knew that 11 years ago. Like, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I wish I knew that. Seventeen years ago, my I published my first book. Well, I wrote it in two thousand four, and I published it in uh, May of two thousand five. This was a few months before everything happened with my uh, husband, and. It was for a print-on-demand company. And back then, there was no Amazon. There wasn't any Google. There was barely an internet. And um, there wasn't even MySpace yet. So, (laughs) um, But it was the first time that I had sat down. I waited till everybody was in bed. And I had a couple hours to myself before I went to bed. um, And... I started writing again and I used to just write short stories and poetry. Um, I've done that since I was a kid, ever since I learned how to write. And before I learned how to write, I was making up stories and telling them to my mom. And um, she called me her little storyteller. So they kind of like stuck with me, but then I had never written a full length book before. And a full-length book is actually a lot easier to write than short stories. <laughs> um, and I wrote a, a few other books, and then I went back and I reread my first one, and I'm like, you know, I'm. I think it deserves 
a next book. And then I just love my characters. I was creating new characters. Then I decided I, I created a prequel. Wow. And now, you know, 17 years later, that first book starts is volume one of a 67 volume saga. So I haven't, I haven't published all of them. There are 15 are out there now. And I hadn't decided um, if I was going to, you know, go out and officially publish them or just sell them from my online bookstore on my own website. Um, that's still something I'm thinking about, but there is a lot that's out there. I mean, I don't have to write. I have a whole bunch of stuff that I haven't published yet and I could be set for the next, you know, till I think it's 2036 (laughs) if I did like two or three books a year. So, um, but I just, I really like the educating authors, helping them through processes, um, giving them advice, you know, taking that time. Um, I've gotten to some always send me every single one of their books um, to read and review. And I do that. I get new authors all the time. And for some reason, when, if they have a question about writing or publishing, they'll email me and because they, they know I'll speak the truth to them. But I do things, yeah, I, I do things. I try to be transparent with my book reviews. Um, I keep, a, basically it's a list, but it's several book, uh, bookshelves on uh, my website called Amy's Library. So authors can see where their book lies instead of having a, I used to get a lot of emails, tell me your status, tell me my status on your list. Now, if they ask me, I'm like, go there and look, because you can see it. You can see where your your book is right now. And um, and I always respond to them. But no, like you, you just, you have no idea where you are in people's sort of pile. And, you know, myself, like yeah. I'm doing episodes now where I'm doing three books. I'll sit down and I'll talk about three books, whether it's three books of a series or three books of a similar genre or something along those lines. Yeah. And I'm, I can feel like the publicist, you know, the publicist eyes almost staring at me through the computer as if to say, are you reading? Are you reading it? Like, I just, you know, they have, they don't email me, but I still have that sense of, god damn, they're watching me. Hmm, I really should do an extra two chapters tonight just to be sure, you know? <laughs> I yeah. in that way as well, and I think I, I always say this to authors everywhere over the world, and I'll, I'll keep saying it till the day I die, but read other people's work. Yeah, yeah, Not just I get it. Go out, uh, I buy books, talk to people about books that aren't yours. Because at the end of the day, if you're having a conversation with somebody in a ward, and you learn that they, you know, they might have been reading yes. a contemporary romance, but they actually really like fantasy, and you've written a fantasy. Then you've got an opportunity to introduce your fantasy. And I yeah. Keep saying, and yeah, and I, I keep saying to people, I'm like, 
or you know, particularly if you're on a bus, and somebody notices that you're reading something, they'll ask you what you're reading, right? And then that opens the whole conversation. Exactly. You have, and that's what you know. And the other great thing is, if you read an author's book, if you get them a good, you know, verticalized yep. sort of breakdown with very good details on what was good, what was oh, yeah. good, what was bad, what, you know, what could be better. Then they might ask you to read the next one, or they might come and say, hey, can I do the same for you? Because they see it as like an honor that you've taken that time to go do that. However, I do wish that um, yeah. Amazon hadn't stopped me from being able to post my reviews on Amazon. I think it's happened to everybody now. Um, but I do it on Goodreads. I will say what my thought is on the concept, what my thought is on the writing style, whether it flows, whether it's jarring, whether it's... And I don't care who's a traditional publisher, an indie publisher, or a self-publisher. I'm honest in what I find. And my opinion is just one of a million. Somebody else out there might not see the same flaws I do and might love it more. Or you might not. You know, it it's you've gotta go through you've gotta walk the walk in order to get yep. the respect. And I I have been so blessed with doing this and talking to some of the the authors right. I read as a kid, like Marianne Curley, who's a very famous YA Australian author, um, who you heard the blurb for. Exactly. You know, she was very open and she said to me, she goes, hey, if you're doing a YA, send it to me, I'll give you my honest thought. And she didn't need to do that. She didn't need to do that at all. So I sent her across the Arctic Guild and I, I buried myself in every possible job I could think of because I didn't want to, to be watching the emails coming in, as we all do. And I was waiting and waiting and then she sends me an email. She goes, look, it'll be three months before I can read the book. But if you send me your synopsis, I'll be able to tell, you know, I'll, I'll know what I'm getting into, uh, you know. And then she did. And she wrote me back a beautiful email telling me that uh, I must be, I was taking on quite the adventure, quite the, uh, the task for a six-week uh, six series. But was honest with me in her opinions about the characters, right. about the world I created, the detailing, and just, you know, all she read at that point was just synopsis. So it gave me a little bit of hope because it's very easy to get downtrodden with literacy agents rejecting you. I think we all feel that, like agencies rejecting you and publishers rejecting you, and all you get is it wasn't for me or I couldn't. I couldn't represent your book enthusiastically enough. That doesn't tell the author what's wrong with the work. Yeah, yeah. You know, it doesn't. And, you know, it, I, I'm left thinking, is it my dyslexia? You know, was it not edited right for you? Did you miss something? Um, because it could be the most stupidest thing that gets you rejected. Yeah. And I didn't encounter a fellow with the agency. I know no. what makes them go, nope. Throw that one out. No, throw that one out. You know, in yeah, the woman I worked for, right. she was amazing. She was a really, honestly, a really lovely woman. 
uh, her standards were so high. There were some great materials that she had that she rejected. And I just thought, ooh, you know, I, I wanted to write them emails and say, hey, if you can get edited, you'll have a better chance. Or I think your work would be better suited for this company. Yeah. I know you don't need an agent. Like, I really wanted to just almost step in and just have these conversations, but I couldn't because it wasn't my job and I wasn't allowed to do that. Um, and it, yeah, it drove me mad. And I even asked the woman I, I was interning for, for, I was like, can I please talk to you? No, she was like, no, because if you do that, uh, it will be expected that I have to do it for everybody. No. Yeah. And I thought, I mean, she, she said to me, I was the best intern she ever had because when I took on her inbox, she must have had 1,500 emails. And by the by the end of my first month, she didn't have any unanswered. Yeah, emails. yeah. Because I just sat and I, I went through the checklist with every piece. And if I thought it stood a chance wow. to her, I would put it to her read file. And it was maybe a couple I slid in there that I thought, mm, I'll trust you. Wow. You know, and... Uh, I've, it was it really was it was yeah and i i think i would have loved to have gone on and done more with her i think i would have been a little student yeah like my registration that would have let me down in regards to editing and things like that but yeah i i think it's really important that we have these conversations and hopefully when people are starting to think that they're just one centering right and they've maybe listened to your podcast from mine they have a better understanding of of what they're getting involved in this is a lifestyle this is not a nine to five it's not like whenever you want or do it whenever you want no this is a lifestyle that you get up in the morning and you have to schedule your whole day around it because whether get you got to get the kids up and get them to school and then come back right when they get home you know right you write for a set period of time and you go do quickly do all the chores go get your kids get them home get them tied get the homework done get them right, you know go into showers and baths and then write for mom yes doing that every single day to get the book done hand it off to an editor who you save all this money up for you, like you wait for it to come back and then you sit and you go through all the track edits, you know, and you, you put your time into it. But yeah, I, I think it's amazing some authors that can sit down and write a book in a month. And I know there's so many of you guys yep. out there, but it's not that getting it done quickly and getting it out. It's the quality of the book that you're putting out there will determine mm -hmm. whether you get a very strong reader base or a very shaky reader base. I wish I'd known that 10 years ago because I would have gone through the whole, you know, getting a decent agent, you know, getting a decent editor and working with that editor until that piece was perfect and then going and trying to get an agent and then going to try to get, I'd have done it so much more differently than what I've had to do. So. You know, and I think I think this is a great way, and also this is a great way of discouraging myths about us because everybody thinks that as authors, 
right? That we're living in fancy houses with maids and servants. Or that we, you know, we're socially, uh, yeah, you know, me too. We hate socializing with people. We're total recluses and trolls that hide. Yep, yep. <laughs> Riverdale did not help us with that one. Um, so yeah, and it's a good way because you know we're like everybody else. We go to the store, we put our trousers on when like yeah, time. we're a recluse we and drinking over, whiskey out of the bottle while we're got a cigarette in one mouth and we're typing on a typewriter. Not about books, you know, <laughs> so it's good. At least, at least if nothing else, we dispel the no. uh, the fairy tale fantasy that has surrounded our industry for so long um you know yeah <laughs> i know yeah it's you're right and i think we we we're still working on um, you know, there's still a small stigma about, you know, indie authors or doing it, you know, self-publishing because really there's a lot of people that, that write books and probably shouldn't, but there are so many that they write books and there's many reasons for why they want to do, um, you know, do it themselves or use a hybrid or whatever. Um, mine, I liked, I did a print de on demand company. And then after that, when I learned I had choices um, and I could do a lot of things myself, I did my book covers. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, obviously I had someone else edit my work, but I always made sure it was as clean as possible when they got it. Um, and I liked having that, that control. I could control my deadlines um, sometimes I wrote two or three books at the same time and I just loved it. And, you know, I just, um, you know, I miss yeah. writing, um, like I used to, um, but I do what I can for the authors that are out there. Um, it's not easy being a new author and it's not easy being an experienced author. Every, I tell authors Everybody has to promote their book. I mean, even James Patterson, he does his own commercials. You know, he advertises his books. You know, I get emails all the time. I like reading his work. Um, I like to read a variety of authors' works. Uh, yeah. And I always learn something about the authors that I read yeah. for, whether it's something I just picked out for myself because I want to read it or somebody asked me, to read their work and it's always an honor because I know it's not easy to you know hand somebody your work and say uh can you read this please you know um you know you just put your heart and soul in that and now any they could say anything about it and you don't know so it's it's not an easy thing and I always tell authors that I'm truly honored to read their work and yeah. um and that's actually that's just the truth um, and sometimes I always respond to their emails, um, whether they're doing requests, they have a question and I always tell them, 
when and where their work has, uh, their, the reviews have been posted. Yeah. I'm one of the few reviewers that will review, uh, widely. I don't just do it on Amazon and Goodreads. I do it on Barnes and Noble. If it's listed there, I do it on Walmart books or Kobo. Um, I do it on BookBub. Um, uh, I do audiobooks. Um, then that's separate yeah. from the print books. It's to me, it's like a whole new review. Um, and you know, I place, I am looking into, um, who publishes their work or what companies, because there's a vast, a lot of, there's a vast amount of companies that are just named because that's the name the author gave their publishing company themselves. And I've done that for myself too. Um, and there's other companies out there and it's, it's a growing, um, whether it's a small press or do it yourself or um, there's new ones. I find all the time that I had to go, what is, the heck is this kind of review? When was an RVP or something? And I had to look it up to see exactly what it meant. Um, but I take, I look at that. I take what they have. I try to connect with those publishers, those publicists, uh, I have a, a great yeah. Um, yeah. network of publicists that I work with, agents that I work with, and that's growing. Um, and I also, you know, I contact publishers if they haven't sent me the book. And I'm like, I read your this author's book. If you have authors that need reviews, you can send them my way just to kind of introduce myself to them. And I do that. Now I have um, one of the imprints of Macmillan. They're constantly sending me books through the mail saying, uh, you know, read this when you get a chance and let us know when you review it. So, um, or I've gotten requests from, you know, other publishers that um, I'm going to send you more and more people, uh, more authors. And I think it's great because every author tells their story in a unique way. They all have their unique writing styles and not everything I've gotten sent over the years is, was great. I don't give lower than three stars and I figure an, a book that's would be a one or a two star, you know, I look at the problems with it. Yeah. A lot of times it's typos. It doesn't make sense. I can't get past the first chapter. Um, I'll send that book back to the author and explain to them what I have just noticed, yeah. things that are wrong with it. Um, and do. if they fix you, it, you they can always send it back. Job. So I always and tell authors, send me your publish ready book. If it's been published before, great. If it's going to be published, I can, you know, people if it's in like, enough yeah, time, you know, I can publish it on the day it's released, you know, my review. And I'm like, so okay, I just want to do whatever I can. You know, and I knew you from sort of like doing the rounds. I've done book tours, I've had people on the blog and everything else. And okay, I've not posted on my blog in seven years. You guys need to stop reminding me of yeah. that. Um, I just remember somebody's going to write to me saying, it's been seven years, Crystal. That's because I don't blog anymore. Thank you. 
ya. <laughs> yeah, I know. I I I try to um and actually um in September I am releasing my first literary magazine. And it's something I'm putting together myself and I'll take author contributions, um, you know, articles and things like that. Um, but what I, and I'll add like reviews and different things, topics we may discuss on our yeah. podcasts and, you know, trends and things like that. But I'm also having a section, which I'm calling writing 101, which is articles that can help educate authors you know, whether it's about writing, um, you know, oh, yeah. editing. There's a lot of things I've written over the years on my blog about, you know, different ways they can help each other. Um, if I find out something new, um, I share that with the authors. Like I recently uh, created a video on how to make a clean Amazon link because some of them are like this long. And they only need to be this long. So I created a video. And whenever they send a request, I'm like, look at that video. So you can look at your links. And, you know, it does it for Barnes & Noble and good reason, things like that. So, and it pretty much works for a lot of different websites. It doesn't work. Yeah, some of them. Yes. Yeah. I know. I'm like, if you put that in a Twitter, that's going to take up all your characters. Yes. No. Uh, so I just try to, you know, if I learn something, I teach them something. Yeah. Um, I learned, uh, well, now I, when I write the their review, I send them an attached an email that has a link to a video tap me with me telling them personally that the review has been posted. I t attach a graphic if they've had a four star or a five star that they can use. I've had authors kind of make their own and put it on their book cover with, you know, that I gave them five stars or four stars. So now I have it so they can use it if they want. Um, and I've also, at the end, uh, I have this letter, and it's a little bit long, but it tells the author about, or the representative, about other services that they may be interested in, exactly where I've posted the reviews, um, the review itself. I have special lists like top 10 books, top 20 authors, um, different types of genres where I think it's important for people to know about it. Um, I give them uh, honors or awards. Like I have, if you've reached number 10 book reviews that I've done, you get a, a bronze like medallion I created, um, then 20 and then 30. And then there's one for 50 plus. I haven't hit had anybody 50 plus, but I have had one person 
go over 30. Um, and I like to acknowledge them so they know that it's not just about me reading their book and writing a, re a review. I, I, I believe in what they're doing. I believe in their work because I wouldn't put my name on it if I didn't. I would not, you know. Um, so I like to give them, yeah. you know, it's kind of like incentive to, and they read the letter. And then at the very end, I give them the direct link to their review. If it's been posted on Amazon, sometimes they're a little slow, but if they do it right away, they have that link. The link on my website, the link on Goodreads, the link on BookBub. Um, if I post on Instagram, they have that link. So they can click on it, it will go directly to where I posted. Um, so that way they know that it's been posted. I've, years ago, I would, you know, send my books out to reviewers and I never heard back from them. And sometimes I just happen to see, oh, you got a new review and it's from that person, but they never told me they, they posted it. I mean, even now I get authors that may have read my books. If they give my, um, my website donations, everybody who has a, uh, sends a donation, they get some type of free gift, which is one of my books. And if they post a review on it, then a lot of times they'll say, oh, I, I, I read it and I posted a review for you. You know, they tell me that. Yep. And they like that I tell them that and that I'm, you know, some complain that I'm too organized, but I have to be that way. I've been doing this since 2014. And over yep. the years, I've. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't be able to do that. You know, I keep track of every single author, every yep. single book that I have read or is about, am about to read. And I keep, I update their information. Um, sometimes I think of more stuff to add. Um, and I, I vet them too, because I've had authors in the past lie to me just because they wanted me to read their work. Yeah, no, and they say, oh, it's going to be published. And it was published 10 years ago. But they just wanted it to um, be quicker than and, anyone else. You know, so normally if you um, talk to them, they will. I, I look out know, for that. I or whenever they're doing they are do it or claiming a know, book is theirs it's and it's not really theirs. So that's important too. I can't um, always I tell that someone so has stolen someone what, else's what, what, property. Yeah, I can only know. read what that, what that I wrote. Their life. So, what book have you read recently that stuck with you the most? All right. Yeah, I, I find it interesting. <laughs> and it's funny because it was, it's a child's book. And yeah. I, um, I read, actually, there's three of this, uh, they're about, there's three books about this dog named Newman. And, um, and what I really, it was funny, we have a segment on our podcast, uh, sometimes we call it Marketing Palooza, where authors, if they sign up, 
they get two minutes of airtime to, to pitch their book. And, you know, it doesn't cost anything. All they have to do is sign up for it and show up. So we had this one person and she was the only one that signed up for this particular thing. And she yeah. uh, was talking about her book. I had never had heard from her or heard about her before. And she was talking about her dog, Austin, and um, the way she was talking about it. I'm like, oh, I have to read these these books. And they're children's books, but they are the stories of this yeah. Uh, not only was he rescued, he was uh, saved from being put down. Um, and he is this, uh, he's a Maltese. And the, the author was saying that, you know, she came up with these stories based on the behavior of her dog. And to me, it was like her dog's memoirs. Um, and they, they each had a, um, they each had just kind of a, a lesson that I think that, um, you know, all people should, should take to heart. Uh, there was one about, um, him not jumping or him. Um, the dog was like a little weary because this, he met new friends, but at first he didn't like them because one was too loud, another was too quiet. But then he realized through the story that um, they yeah. both could be his friend and play together and things like that. And it, it was so interesting. Um, and, you know, it touched my heart and makes me want a dog. <laughs> um, very much so. Um, and hopefully some point I can I can do that. But I really think that if more adults read children's books they might learn something from them because i know i have and i mean i always my mother my mother um taught me a lot of things growing up but the one thing she always taught me was uh, how to be kind that that was you you know just be kind even if the other person is you know just you know negative awful whatever you want to call it, if you be, you just be kind. And that was something that I have four sons. They're all grown now. Um, and, uh, one just got married. I performed the ceremony for him. Um, but yeah, I got ordained. So when my sons decide to get married, I can perform the ceremonies for them. Um, so yeah, my, uh, my son was just married actually, on the ninth, which is was towards my fiftieth birthday, so it was like oh, the cool. best birthday ever. <laughs> yeah, I was so I was so happy, and you know, I taught you teach things to your children. You know, say okay, do this, do this, do this, or don't do this. But you also teach them by your own behavior. And that's how I learned. Like my mom didn't always say, oh, you got to be nice. You got to be kind. She just was that. So that's how, that's what I learned. That's how you treat people. You be kind. And I uh, taught my sons the same thing. When they were little, you know, somebody gave them something. I didn't have to nudge them and say, you know, say thank you. They just would do it. 
you know, I see a lot of parents do that. You know, the kids get a cookie from somebody and they're just like, moms are like, say thank you or whatever. Um, but no, um, if more people read children's books and I've uh, read a lot and I think they are very, a lot of them have, they're educational without the kid knowing that they're being taught something. Because they're entertaining and they're fun. Um, they have great illustrations. She, she was like, but oh even God, young adult books learning. and other... And it, it um, I've read some great young adult fantasy books. So every time and, somebody says this sort of thing, and I'm, I'm like, not, ah, It's been a long learning. time since I've been a young adult. Um, so, it took when it, it... You know, you're pulling the wool over the kid's eyes, but you're actually educating them at the same time. And that's the thing, like... My exactly. reading is awful. Yeah. I loved re- really is because of dyslexia. And I went back and I was the teacher's assistant um, and I was at school with the kids and I mm-hmm. had to go up and do reading time. And of course, they wanted Miss B to read out loud, <laughs> didn't they? I got corrected every two to three words. Exactly. Bing, that's wrong. Miss I mean, Bing, you see it this time. Yeah. The kids reading was better than my own. And I thought, oh, for the love of... Because I've got so used to reading in my head. Mm-hmm. That I, I don't think about reading that way. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the, the kids had a field day. They all wanted to go read with Miss Bain. Because they all wanted to hear Crystal screw it up. <laughs> so, like... The teacher was saying, right, you've got a choice. Who wants to go read with Miss Bain or who wants to go and play Legos? <laughs> and honestly, the house that went up to go read with me. Yeah. There's a lot more than that oh, wanted yeah. to go play Legos. I was like a walking, yeah, talking, yeah. entertainment. And it's a big title. difference. It is a big difference reading out loud. To do playground and... with so I would go out in the playground. And I couldn't stand still because I'd get frostbite. Because Shetland is cold and it's windy. <laughs> so I would see where all the adults would stand, right? And they would just stand. They would observe the behavior. But I actually got involved in the games with them. So playing catchy, chasing them, <laughs> running after them. And then, it, you know, this went on for a week. And I came home and I was just <laughs> absolutely knackered every night. Mm-hmm. And I would fall asleep in the chair. My mom would be like, "Crystal, Crystal, yeah, the time. Got to get up now." And I'm like, <sighs> "You know, and my yeah. dad, my dad's like, just leave her an hour. She'll wake mm-hmm. up. She'll heat it up. It'll be fine." And my mom's like, "No, she's got to come. You know, she's supposed to be yeah. here, living with us, spending time with us. She's gonna get up." And I'm like. Just chase after thirty, yeah, like after freaking thirty, four or five year olds all day. Mm-hmm. You know, jeez, you're looking after old people. Sure, that's hard going, but it is hard as running after these kids. <laughs> yeah, they don't go very far. Yep. And of course, you always had one that was trying to. And you always had one that was trying to figure a way out of the playground, and another kid that was trying to steal somebody's lunch. And <laughs> I just played all day. 
we didn't get any of them. <laughs> yeah, it's not fun when they do that. But I actually no, had the, one uh, kid the older that people tried are to easy to PCR catch on another kid. <laughs> no. No. And they were doing it right. That's what terrified me. If, it, if they were doing it wrong, I would not have intervened. I would have just said, okay. Like, and you get right. those kids that just but repeat they were everything that you pushing say. pushing down on the kids. And I thought, no, this is going to go wrong. This is oh, that's this good. This is going to go wrong. I had, stop I had four sons. Now. They all played so that game. <laughs> so I and I explained why they don't do it yeah. when kids are okay. Like, when people are okay. And why you do it when they're not okay. And there was nothing wrong with them. tell when they're not okay. And why actually you should really get an adult to do it that's trained to do it. And you have to ask the adult if they're trained to do it. Um, so right. yeah, I had some very crazy, crazy lessons that I had yeah. to uh, teach kids that I honestly thought, you know, I would normally yeah. be doing this sort of stuff to high schoolers. And then, of course, Crystal, exactly. who doesn't like to be sitting at home very often, at that time thought, oh, I know what I'll do. I will take on a youth club. <laughs> like, I haven't just worn myself out running after three, four-year-olds all day. I'm going to take on a youth club. So, I, you know, I would go out to right. the youth club and we'd open tuck shop and we would get right. everything ready and go through the list of things that needed done and you know sometimes you're you, sometimes it's more fighting with the other adults to get the stuff that you needed like you know yeah. uh, mm -hmm. hey we've got a broken fridge that's really not safe for the kids can you please get it out of here kind of thing um but it was great and it it really put me back in touch with that teen side of myself <laughs> that, that when I got sick again because anybody that's got arthritis knows that you get times when you're really good and you're really doing well and then the rug gets pulled out from under you and you're right back on your ass sitting in the hospital bed staring at the doctor going I don't know how I fucked it up this time um yeah. usually it's because Crystal's done too much and her body said yeah no you're going to stop right now and do what you're told so, you know, and then that's what got me back into the writing um, because I was I was trapped for the last year and a half. Yeah. Going in a night hospital, in a night hospital. And and I said, thought it. I always wanted to finish the Arctic Guild. I always wanted it to be presentable. In a, you know, I had an opportunity to get it in with a publisher and I went and I did it. And I felt proud of myself for doing yeah. it. But now that it's out there in front of a lot of agents, my confidence level yeah. has dropped quite significantly. I've only had one rejection so far, but it's I, I get that. I know that there's going to be like eight or nine other ones coming in the door saying no. But, you know, it's the game. You yeah. can't play it yeah. once. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, it makes you feel better about yourself. Exactly. There was this book my father gave me years ago, and it basically was a book of um, bad reviews for really famous authors. Um, So when I got a review that wasn't that great, I would read it, and I'd I'd feel so much better. You know, like bad review of Edgar Allan Poe or, uh, you know, Mark Twain or um, things like that. And it, 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 I always keep it on my bookshelf because it's just one of those things that you just want to look at and say, oh, okay, I'm not that bad. <laughs> um, yeah, and I've had, um, I've sent out emails, you know, for reviews, four or five stars, even three stars. And yeah. the best gift I get back from them is when they actually take the time to email me and say thank you. Some give me a really long thank you letter, but just that thank you. So I have all the authors and I have all... that then you've read. If you had to pick <laughs> I, I, one author and you know, one that makes series it, um, that you could read from that. It makes me feel top. so much, you know, feel good. Done? Sometimes I get that email from an author that says, you know, I was just banging my head against the wall, trying will, to decide if I, I still wanted to keep writing. And then I got your review, you so thank you. <laughs> because they just needed that lift, and it came at the right moment. Um, so that's, you know, that for me is, you know, I make a difference. And I do know that, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. No, it's mm-hmm. it's not. Um <laughs> I guess not. Um, you know, it's uh it's it's really hard to say because, because I have a lot it, that's a series that you would be reading. Some of my favorite authors very long time. are like, I authors that I met through my review. You know, reviews tied together in my fashion, so I get but I really do love anything from Walt Whitman or Edgar Allan Poe. I do read Shakespeare and I read the old Shakespeare, not the converted to English Shakespeare. Um, and I do go back to that. I mean, but that's yeah, the book series, um. Yeah. Right. I that's Yeah, I would say uh James Patterson's Alex Cross. Yeah. I I yeah, I have. I'm kind of like in the middle of the series, and I um, since I last bought one of his books, I know he's published two or three yeah. more, which I haven't bought yet. But yeah, I I do. I like Alex Cross, and I actually liked Alex Cross when yeah. I watched the first movie before I read the first book. <laughs> um, so you know when they had. Um, 
Morgan Freeman played uh, Alex Cross in Kiss the Girls and, um, oh, I can't think of the other name. Oh, Along Came a Spider. Yeah. And those were the, you know, watching the movies. And then I'm like, oh, I got to read the books. And that's what I like to do. Usually I read the books before I watch the movie or the show. Um, it's actually a, and I've always done it that way. Um, I'll watch a movie and be like, oh yeah, I like the book better. And that nine times out of 10, that's the truth. Um, on our podcast, we even have a segment once a, a season, we call it right to real where we actually, we both read a book and then we watch either the streaming show, you know, if it's an episodic or a movie or whatever the book is based on. And then we talk about the differences and what we liked about the book and the show and things like that. So um, that, you know, it's just bringing in something that I've always liked to do. I have a, another review. And it's for yeah. true crime where it's I will a, read a true crime book and then watch related documentaries. And then I will post a review about both. And uh, it's called Amy's real R E E L true crime reviews. Um, and I have, you know, when I get true crime is a British author um, and, uh, and thrillers are really the ones that, is, that I like as it, far it, as, it um, really you know, good, well, reading you know, you and I like to, watching documentaries, things like that. You get to go into his mind. But I'm, so it's a very different, um, sorry, it's called <laughs> Rattle, a serial killer Boom. that will hook you from the start. Yeah, the, and then it goes. Yeah, I'll in, have to because the I think the yeah, bone collector was that, uh, Jeremy. Um, is the Jeremy or Jeffrey Devers? Really I watched really nice the movie and then they had the show on for a while, so it might the be dark, the bone shaker. Um, I'll have to check that out. All three, um, honestly, I also, were absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. They were really, really well. Fiona Cummings, and that's C U. M M I N S. Oh. Oh. Well, I'll definitely have to look at that. Yeah. Yeah. What was the, what was her name again? I'm going to write it down. Yeah. I will definitely look that up. I've uh, read work from, um, there's this man called, uh, he's a former FBI agent. um, And he was a profiler. Uh, His name is John Douglas. And I've read a lot of his books and they uh, were so interesting. They really got me into like really doing true crime. I mean, I did a lot of research on serial killers and, you know, true crime. It's just so I, because a lot of my books, they have a mystery or they have somebody died or they're about a serial killer. And I I like to have things that, you know, they make sense if you read them. So, yeah, I'm um, always looking for that, you know, that next 
so funny. And, and, his, and his way I like it unique. I like himself the, the different his people writing have different writing styles. That I respect if a you lot took because it was very much if you like took how two authors, I do it. Um, I just I admire him. Okay, but also there is a dare that he said the next Poe book he writes, which is the series that he is doing. He is going to have somebody from Shetland, because I'm from Shetland, in the book. Um, so he was actually no, he was making notes uh, in the podcast oh, recording. Um, so I inspired a character that's going to be in the series. So you'll have to read it from the get go to get to the the one of him. So. Mm-hmm. He actually, right? Exactly, and he actually had um, coffee. This he he wrote this book in a cafe, and this cafe place actually sort of got this mm-hmm. coffee made up for him, and it was like a very personalized sort of coffee mm-hmm. idea. I'll send the link to you after this. Oh, and it was. Like you get a hamper with his book in it. Oh, that sounds great. Because they teamed up with the publisher, and he gets these little that... packs of coffee in, and he gets like. Yeah, no, that's this, very like, awesome. I'll have to look up his books because I always uh, love publisher. I love they, a new they story. A lot. Of I, I really do. In Everybody has great writing so, like, style. Different know, ones. If a publisher knows that my Achilles heel is coffee, I would get a specific type of ground coffee in a box with maybe a couple of candles so that I de-stress and don't throw things at my husband or whatever. You know, um, as the case may be. But yeah, like mm-hmm. there's always these little things okay. that they, they put in, and especially with book box now and the fact that you know you've got these book boxes that come out every month and it has a specific book in oh, it special covers and all this sort of stuff the publishers are stepping up their game and they're getting involved <laughs> in that and they're getting involved with what they're doing with these authors and sometimes with yeah and sometimes with people that mm-hmm. they're they're sending the press kiss, kits too so yeah he's he's a Exactly. Um, right. Yeah, like I, I've learned as I've done this, like the amount <laughs> of crime authors, like my old English teacher from high school. She's actually a crime writer from Shetland, and all her crime books take place on a sailing boat. Um, which I thought was very interesting because I'm like, wait, mm-hmm. how do you? Somebody died on the sailing boat, so the killer's got to be on the sailing boat, right? Yeah, it's like, but she's that is really, really cool. good at hiding that leap that you just almost nearly miss it or you do miss it. Hey, like, I um, love coffee and I love wine, so I'd be happy to get frustrated. <laughs> and she's an incredible, uh, detail oriented author. Her scenery, her logistics, she actually goes and sails the path that her, you know, her boat would take or. She drives the, you know, the distance. She does physical research, but she's disabled like that us. That is. But she's a full-time sailor. And, like, she was on, if you if you go back to previous episodes of the show, <laughs> you would she was think. actually on, I think, episode <laughs> three or four. And just listening to her, you know, here she mm-hmm. is. She's in a rural island, in the Shetland Islands. 
where yep. you know the information is so hard to access and she's such an inspiration because she went and she did it she had kids that she raised while writing these books so I always give her exceptional props because I don't know how she did it I, I honestly don't like you know, oh, teaching at school and neat. then having your kids and then yep. trying to write um you know she was saying getting up at six o'clock in the morning and getting that two hours in before the kids got up was essential okay. it really was essential so is there an yeah, author yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Is there an author, past and present, who's influenced and inspired you to A, be excited about reading, and B, was there one that was that made you want to write? Yeah. 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 Yeah, when I became a single parent, yeah, <laughs> that was it. Um, yeah, I, I, I have to go back to, um, Walt Whitman and I know he's from centuries ago, but what I found, one of the things is that I really like it in a person, or I hope that people can be who they truly are, be their own self. And Walt Whitman, he wrote about things that matter to him. Um, he wrote about um, Abraham Lincoln. Um, he wrote about his love. Um, sometimes it was the love of a woman, and other times it was the love of a man. And no matter who, um, yeah. you know, and, and back then when he wrote it, they called that, you know, it was a perversion or a disease that could be cured if you were uh you know homosexual or, or bisexual or whatever but uh, his writing is it's true and actually uh a few years ago yeah um i wrote this poetry book but it's not just about poetry it was also about my inspirations of other authors um my father had open heart surgery and I was taking care of him. And twice a week I had to take him to physical therapy. So at, while he was doing his physical therapy, I either had to read or I would write. And I would bring Whitman. I brought Shakespeare with me. And then yeah. I brought a notebook. And once his physical therapy was over, I had a book written with... It was, you know, with my poetry, um, some things were influenced. I call it uh, all of my yesterdays. Um, I'm also a big Frank Sinatra fan. So um, his music was, um, it also inspires me. Um, growing, growing up, I 
loved Beverly Cleary. Um, and to me, that was like the, like the first like big girl books I could read. Um, you know, when I was learning how to read, um, after that, it was, I read the entire Little House on the Prairie, uh, series. I actually still have a set of those books, but Beverly Cleary, she, you know, she wrote about this little girl that I could relate to, you know, Ramona the Pest. And I thought, oh, this was just, you know, I could make up stories like that. And I did. And I, they were all short stories. Um, I even made up my own version of the three bears that I would tell my mother and she just thought it was hysterical. So, um, I don't remember that version, but she told me about it and then she just loved it. But, um, every time I pick up a book and open it, I am inspired by the words that are in it. And sometimes I am just so impressed with the writing um, the character development, I think character development is a very, um, important thing. A few years ago, I actually wrote, um, I created a workbook, um, for writers or writers just starting out on how to develop characters and things like that. Um, and I've actually had it bought by, uh, people who are doing homeschool the last few years. They use that as part of their curriculum. Yeah. Um, so it, you know, it helps to ver uh, how to create a character profile, um, you know, yeah. how to really just take one character and put them in different situations and see how the character would react. Um, cause I know that if you read a book and say it's first person and then yeah. you read that same story but it's written in third person, it ends up being a totally different story. And I think it's um, very interesting how people will write different ways. And if they wrote it, you know, in a different perspective, it would change the outlook of the story. Um, My partner, Mackenzie Stewart, she writes, and I don't see this very often. She writes in present tense. So like it's happening at that very moment. And I always found that was really interesting and it fit her story. And she writes as a backst that every single character, big or small, you get a little uh, snippet of their backstory. And I find that was really interesting too. And I learned a lot. I learned a lot all the time from reading people's work. Um, and I love I love it. Exactly. I love when I can't predict the ending. Because, you know, as a writer, you kind of like, you have a feeling of where it's going, you know, characters. And yeah, I like it when they don't follow like the stereotypical, you know, say like a romance. It's not, you know, one person meets another one. They fall in love, they break up, they go get back together or something like that. Um, I always find uh, if when they do a variation away from that and maybe they don't get back together or they don't break up, but something happens. And, you know, I like 
that I when I can't yeah. predict a story, then I know it's a really good story. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah of course. and that's that's yeah. not a real easy thing to do i find whenever i wrote i play music and if i if i wanted to get and it's kind of fun it, it sounds interesting but um the music i played was to get into that like kind of dark side would be like metallica and i mean my brother you know i like their music it doesn't matter i i like pretty much most music's even classical and sometimes it would be a classical like a you know tchaikovsky or a bach that you know they're they have some yeah. kind of darkness behind those those notes. And it's not always easy, but sometimes it's fun being the villain, you know, being dark and being the villain. And um, it's not, uh, you know, you have to figure out, okay, you're basically profiling your own character in order to get them to be a certain way. And then sometimes you can give them a, a, just a wee bit of humanity. Um, I have this uh, character in my long saga who he started out just being like a regular guy um, that was and nobody knew he was hiding his secret. And then once he supposedly died, people heard that he was doing all kinds of weird stuff. But then he came back and he started trouble. But it was very fun to yeah. write for like an evil character because I hate like Miss Perfect characters, you know, yeah. the dark side, how he talked, you know, and it's not always easy to write the tone that he had of his voice so you have to like show it with words and then later on towards the end of the saga he's almost redeemed but not completely and like he can still he's still a jerk you know he can still be mean to people but he um he has a like a hidden soft side and one time i i wrote it just, I was like, okay, what could be that one of the most corniest things that this evil villain could do? And I wrote that he loved the old sitcom Full House. And <laughs> I mean, it, and it was just something like that. And I'm like, you know, that yeah. would be something no one would ever expect this man who's an evil doctor to, you know, take time out and watch Full House. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I I didn't. I sat down. I wrote. Um, it was a few years after. 
my mother, or a few months after my mother-in-law had passed away. And that same year I had gone in, uh, I had had cancer and gone into remission. Um, and my, my mother-in-law was like my second mother. And I'm like something, I felt something missing and it had been a while. I mean, I used to write in a journal and a diary. I still do. Um, but I thought just something popped in my head about just a conversation between two people working together. And then I'm like, Oh, that would make a great story. And I like, I don't like boring stories. I like stories that have something going on and sometimes you're trying to figure it out. And in a way I like to make it seem obvious and then make it like, Oh no, that is totally impossible. You know, that this person could have done something. Um, So we blame this person, but then when it really happens, you realize like, oh, it was there all along. You know, it's just kind of like I threw a twist in there saying, oh, yeah, everybody thinks this guy did it. He was her stalker. Um, I found that a, a lot of things um, were written about women that have overcome um, some kind of tragedy in their life. Yeah. Or it could be a, abuse, death of a spouse, whatever, and how they were able to deal with that. Um, my first character, Alex Garrison, she used to be this rich heiress. She married a man who was murdered. She wanted a whole new life for herself, changed her name. Um, and I mean, she owned this huge company, um, company. So she was really good at business, but she went and she started out as like, a. um, you know, she was like a customer service representative. Um, you know, she started and then she made supervisor. So, you know, she was really good at stuff, but she wanted to hide that part of her. Um, and I think it's really, and eventually you slowly, you find out what happened in her past or what she thought happened in her past. Um, and then what was still going on in her future. She had a stalker and, how she had to figure out who that stalker is and what really happened in her past yeah. and how the two were related. And I just, um, it just kind of like wrote itself. It just kind of came out of my head and I put it on paper. Um, I do know when I sit down and I stop to think about by writing and I yeah. have to stop and think it's time to walk away because I liked it. My brain would go right to my fingers and they would know, what I was taught thinking, if you speak wow. what's on your mind, it's a lot harder to, to get that flow going. But, and it's funny that I wrote about people that, you know, um, women, uh, most of my books have uh, female um, main characters. Two of my books have um, main male characters. Um, I was trying to do something a little different to challenge myself because I like to challenge myself in my writing. And, and it's funny how some of the situations that a couple of my books, the character went through months after I wrote it, something similar happened to me where my ex, where my husband tried to kill me. Um, and I had to run out of, I actually had to run for help. And these were scenes that I had already written about 
about like a person running for help. Um, and I'm like, oh, maybe I should write that I was very rich in that one. <laughs> but it, it, what I learned about experiencing it after was when I went back and read how the character um, felt, how she acted. Then I, so when you're I understood my character together, more. Is it like and then I realized that you, or is it like I got more, it right. Like you know, I was just experience. thinking, okay, if I was in this situation, what would I do? And until I was, you don't, you don't think about it. Um, but I just, I like that there's strong characters. A lot of my, um, yeah. books have a sense of family and the family doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be blood, yeah. you know, um, you know, it's the family you choose, not the family that you got stuck with. So, um, that's, those are really big, big themes, even behind the mystery and the murder and, um, you know, yeah. uh, coming back from the dead and all that, but <clears throat> excuse me. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say that it's, it's basically, um, kind of like a movie or a show. Like I, I see it in my head and then I write it. Um, I'm a very <clears throat> visual person. So even if somebody tells me a story or I read a story, it's in my head about, you know, I see that it doesn't, it's not always a good thing to be visual about that, but, um, where, I guess like some people are right brained and left brained. I'm both. So I have logic and creativeness on, you know, and I use that. But I find using the logic side is I can write something that at least yeah. right now is absolutely totally impossible to happen, but write it in a way that if it could happen, this is how it would happen. Yeah. I have a doctor who can bring back, so the um, dead by mixture, a, uh, a mixture of you, medications you and like sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't like but it's like and they're not way. like zombies or anything sometimes you know they're like they're just regular people um sometimes they change for the better sometimes they change for the worse but um the way i write it was like okay it's a medical thing you're not like digging up bodies and you know making zombies you're making people you're curing death basically is is what it is you're curing um somebody's death and if you read it it's like oh well i mean that can't happen but maybe someday it will happen <laughs> um that would be a good way to bring somebody back so yeah uh, that's i try to make it always like that even if it's impossible just make it seem like if it was possible this is how it would be possible Yeah, my um from my yeah. first book, um uh her name's Alex. Uh it was was Alexis, but she goes by Alex and you know, she was the main character of my first book and even though I wrote other books, 
and have um, some of those books have, you know, uh, a couple books in a series, sometimes two, sometimes it's just one. Um, I think one is like four in it. I, when I was writing, I would always go back to Alex and how her family grew and it was because of her and her husband or when they finally got together and got married that was the basis for this extremely growing family and it was a growing community and I always liked her because um, she could be very vulnerable but there are certain things that she was really strong about um, and you know she would she was human she blamed herself for things that weren't her fault she tried to overcome things that she had to deal with. Um, but, you know, you put her in a business situation, all that went away. And she just like, she would put her hair up in a bun and she would dress that part and she could play that. That was the only thing that like she would be perfect at. Everything else, you know, she was just a regular woman trying to deal with what life was throwing at her. And sometimes she broke down and cried. Sometimes she slept with too many men, you know, it's just who she was, you know, she was very, you know, um, vulnerable, but yet she had a lot of strength inside of her that she didn't even know she had. Um, I think that I would have loved to explore, um, his name is Terry. He, um, starts out in the beginning as, uh, one of Alex's friends from that saga. Yeah. And um, eventually so what's the back he marries Alex's daughter. That's after she writing. grows up and everything. And, um, you know, this guy that she's always had a crush on. And now, you know, they're in love with each other. But um, there are things from his past that I wish that I could have addressed more. Or maybe even... Um, you know, did a, a spinoff of his backstory because I think it would be really interesting. Um, and yeah, he was just one of my favorites. I mean, I killed him off in, um, in one of the books, but then um, I went back and I was reading it and I liked, I'm like, Oh, why did I do that? So I figured out how to bring him back, you know, that he wasn't really dead. Mm -hmm. They just couldn't find him and they thought he was dead. But um if I had kept him dead, that would have changed like the whole thing because <laughs> he became a very important part of the story. The worst technique that I ever tried um, was to kind of outline what was going to happen. Um, I know a lot of people are outliners. Um, that does not work for me. I would, um, I tried to put it in and not everything got in. And then I felt like I was like too constrained to that. So that was the worst thing. The best thing that I have done and I did it with every single book, except for one where I just let, I would close my eyes and type and just let the story go wherever it goes. And I just get, um, and if I had to walk away for whatever reason, um, like I had to get my kids dinner or whatever, 
I always um, at least wrote the first line of the next chapter before I left. And that was something I always did. That way I could kind of know where to pick up. And I never went back and read anything before it until my what I figured was my first draft that was done. And then I could go back in the second draft and, you know, fill things in and make sure everything made sense before I even did editing. But yeah, always keeping, just writing the first line of the next chapter. That was something that was great. One time, the one time I had a story started and I had walked away from it because I had ideas from other stories. And then all of a sudden, and it had never happened to me before, I knew how I wanted it to end. So I wrote the last chapter and then I worked my way backwards until I met where I left off. And do that when I'm. It was a really interesting thing that I had never done before. But at the time, it just seemed to make like sense. And then, you know, blind, I like, put it I all, once it was all together, it, it, it made a lot of sense. But it was the first time so that I, I knew how that. my stories and were going to end. Because most of the time, I don't know. I don't know who did it. And, you know, I don't know who the murderer's going to be or the killer or, you know, the vigilante or whatever. I don't know who's going to be doing it. So if I don't know. The audience slow, doesn't, but you know, reading it, you're not going to know either. And that seemed to, it works out, into the um, life part especially the when I have, like, and there's some, some start suspense going on in there. Question. What's the first okay. thing you do when you want to de-stress from editing and writing? So do okay. I. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Good answer. What hobbies do you enjoy and what ones do you wish you had more time to explore? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. I binge watch TV. I really do. Sometimes it's like, I just do it. I mean, I, when I was younger, they called it a marathon, you know, you're watching a couple shows oh, after doing? one another, but yeah, it's I'll binge watch things <laughs> just to kind of get my head like, clear. A lot and of depending on what I've been writing, like I've been like, writing a lot of serious stuff, I'll like binge watch comedies or watch some funny movies, or I'll um, just watch so my favorite all time movies, things like that. So, what's your um, your Drano for? creative blockages do you go away and do crafts or is there something else that you go and do to try and clear it all away well i am actually uh i like to collect rocks and gems and things mm -hmm. like that and i was doing like some sculptures just small sculptures with rocks but 
it's been really hard because of my hands and it's so delicate. Um, out of my life, when I was growing up, I wanted to be three things. I wanted to be a teacher, um, a writer, and a geologist. And the only thing I haven't been is a geologist. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. So I myself have idiopathic rheumatoid arthritis. No, I'm not saying I'm an idiot. But it makes me slow down and appreciate Not the day. Just, um, and so what makes you I slow like down? To, I sketch too. Um, sometimes it's abstract. Sometimes it's um, very pre <laughs> precise of what I'm doing. Um, I like to draw what I think. No, it's a good one. Actually. I love like that. Like how I feel like my emotions would come out. And it's kind of like my own version of art therapy. And it works for a lot of different things. And yeah. since I have tremors sketching it doesn't matter if your hand shakes or not because you're just doing sketching so uh so i don't have to worry about um you know sometimes i get self-conscious about my uh, i shake and i stutter sometimes or i say the wrong word um but that's uh, with when i sketch i don't have to feel self-conscious i can just draw and whatever comes to me comes to me Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, well, I think COVID's taught us all that as well, sadly to say. So where, uh, my sons tell me I have to, to take curl a break. Out during the day? Is it your garden? Do you have a I know it, it like sounds funny. It's, it's um, special readers It's harder. <laughs> they, they, yeah, my, my sons help me out and then. They'll be like, Mom, you're doing too much, or you're thinking too much. You need to take a break. So I try to do that. And then I also um, recently I set aside Sundays for myself. So I I look at maybe my email once, and and that's it. It's like I'll read, I'll, I'll watch TV, I'll just kind of stretch out yeah, and no, relax. Yeah, totally um, and, and I, I found with everyone going through everything lately, we all need I like that, that and it helps me just. Um, you know, get ready for the week at whatever yeah. happens, yeah, stuff that I have that to time. do because I have we're a lot going of different projects game, going on all the okay? time. So, so I, like, I like to be busy, but I realize my sons made me realize that I needed a break and then I can't do everything I used to do. Would you like to do word association or book association? Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. Okay, your first word is sweet tea. Okay, that's an interesting well, one. Well, um, I live in a very uh, small books. apartment, and my room is also, uh, like, where we have our living room. Okay. So, if I just want peace and quiet, I, I have, like, a screen that covers Ladder. up my bed, and then I'll just kind of close that, and when it's closed, people know, don't Ladder. bug me. I'm reading, I might take a nap, or, yeah. or whatever, but just sometimes that's just what you need to do. Okay. Cream cakes. Yeah, some people don't realize that. 
icing sugar. Okay. All right. Frosting. So have you figured out my theme? How for about you? word association? Now that you've heard all the words. Ice. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, so I actually came up with the idea of an old English bookshop that would have these Filled. sort of weird cream cakes and coffee area that would be tucked I'm away sorry, in the corner. And there would I, be all these little areas. Ladder? Shop that would be like little seats areas where you could curl up um, and you could read. And you didn't necessarily have to buy a book. You could just go in and read the Height. Um, there was lots of that kind of stuff that went on. So when I obviously booked you in to do this. Banana. You, like, that was the first thing that came to my head. was like, I could imagine you sitting in one of these old fancy English Cake. shops. With, like, the, the ladders that would swing around the bookcases. Um, and you'd be curled up in the corner with a cozy sweet. blanket and a cushion reading one of your, when you're reading one of the books. So um, that's that's what I do for everyone that comes on. I kind of create sort of some sort of thing. I have a very terrible memory, so. <laughs> yep. A good book. Oh. All right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on the show. Next week, guys, we are going to have an even more exciting guest on. Yeah, I know. I keep saying that. But in the meantime, we will say ciao for now. And yeah, uh, we will head I like off. That and uh, we'll see that's you guys what, I mean, next time. Um, my, I, my bookshelves are actually overstuffed. <laughs> and um, sometimes I just like cuddling up with my blanket and uh, my pillow and um, yeah, a really good book. And I have like my um, future daughter-in-law gave me, they call it a squish, uh, squish mellow. It's, it's supposed, and it's a turtle. Like I have a pet turtle. And so I like having that like right under my arm when I'm sitting there reading. So, and yeah, she got it for my birthday and I, I just i thought i'm like oh it's just so squishy you know it's just one of those things that you just can't help to squish so it's the perfect cuddle up thing <laughs>